Well, hello there, everyone. Welcome to Walking with God in the Storm podcast. I'm your host, Dwayne Harold. I would first like to thank the kind people at Stowtown Records for allowing me to use the intro song, which is titled After the Storm. This song is sung by the Irwins who have won a Dove Award, and they've also been nominated for a Grammy. This song can be streamed and downloaded at all digital outlets. If you would like to listen to more of their great songs, I will have a link in this podcast that will take you to their project called Wait and See. Well, my special guest today is Pastor Alan Beebe. He's the pastor of a great church, which is True Life Church in Duncan, South Carolina. We knew each other when we were just a few years younger, and, and unfortunately, as happens quite frequently or too often, really, over time, we lost contact with each other, but I'm actually glad we have reconnected. So, Brother Beebe, welcome to Walking with God in the Storm podcast, and how are you doing this fine, beautiful day? Doing good. Thank you for uh, having me on, Brother Harold. It's uh, it's a privilege to be talking to you and um, being a part of this podcast. Well, I appreciate you doing this for me, that's for sure, and everything. And I've been wanting to do it for a little while, and things just hadn't worked out. But at least we are finally here doing this to get today. Yes, yes. Well, I know you introduced me, by the way, as Alan, and no one will know me by Alan because I always went by Dale. Alan is my first name, and so uh, anyway, it. Uh, I am. I usually go by Dale. So, uh, hello again. <laughs> it, well, I mean, that's the only way I knew you when we were younger. But I thought I saw on uh, Facebook. It was Alan Dale Beebe, so I should have asked first what you were going by this day and age. So, yeah, no problem. No, uh, I had to redo my Facebook one time, and I had to enter my first name to to redo it. But all right, let's uh, get into you and your podcast, your interview. So, would you mind letting anybody just know where you were born and where you were raised at? Well, I was uh, born. Um, and uh, the St. Francis Hospital in Monroe, but was raised in West Monroe and in the metropolitan area that a lot of people know as Balcomville. Yeah. And so uh, right there near the paper mill, and um, that's my roots, and that's where I was raised. And where did you uh, attend church as you were growing up? Well, I initially was at the uh, church in there in Balcomville under Pastor Brother Hentfield, until I was about nine years old. And um, my dad actually became an associate pastor for our church for a little while. Uh, then we ended up, uh, when I was about, uh, about about 10 years old, maybe a little over 10, 10 and a half, uh, we started attending the, what we call the West Monroe Church for the Foster. And we were there for a few years. And then, um, so I call it the big three, kind of the in the metropolitan area, West Monroe, Monroe. Then we ended up at Pastor Chance's church in Monroe from the time I was uh, almost about 12, 13 years old until I became an adult and moved out and um, moved to South Louisiana to start my first church. So that's kind of the short short end of the story. Hmm. I didn't even forget about you starting a church down there. Where, what city did you start a church? We were in Destrahan. Uh, we were at the ripe old age of... 22 years old, uh, 22, 23 years old when we uh, went to Destrahan. We were there for about two years, 
almost three years, I guess. And then uh, I went on staff with uh, Brother John Cupid in New Orleans for about two years. Uh, then I came home for just a short stint uh, back to Monroe under Pastor Chance. And his son had come on board as the co-pastor, Danny Chance, at the time. And we were there just a short while before we moved to South Carolina, which has been almost 32 years ago. We came here when our children were eight and five, our oldest two. And then we had two more children since we moved out here, Caleb and Candace. And uh, so we've lived in South Carolina, South Carolina longer than we did in Louisiana. And so, uh, and God has been very good to us in these last 32 years, especially. Uh, that's awesome too. Well, let me ask you this. How old were you uh, when you received the Holy Ghost? And was it a regular, and I hate using the word regular because old, no service is regular with God, but was it in a church service during a revival at youth camp? I was, uh, Brother Dwayne, I was nine years old. Uh, I'd come home from a Sunday night church service, and uh, I did not receive the Holy Ghost at that service at church. But when I got home, I uh, rushed to my bedroom because I was still praying and I had made up my mind that that day and that night was my night. And I went to my bedroom. And I remember crying out to the Lord one more time, Lord, fill me with the Holy Ghost at nine years old. And I come up uh, off my knees speaking in tongues and I went to go and tell my, my mom, my dad was working second shift at the paper mill. And I went to tell her and my oldest brother um, that I had received the Holy Ghost. Hmm. Yeah, that's awesome how God deals with kids and, and young people and everything and draws them to him like that. So when God started dealing with you and talking with you to become a minister of the gospel, about how old were you at that time? Uh, you know, I, I always felt a, I was a part of the ministry. My dad was a preacher. Uh, when I was big enough to stand up, stand in a chair, he would put me behind a pulpit and, and I would sing with him. My dad would go to nursing homes or evangelize and preach. And we preached uh, in, in churches all over uh, northeast Louisiana. And uh, and so I, I felt a call to the ministry from as a child and from as a young, very young person. But sorting all that out was uh, was, was a little different trying to figure out uh, how to take the steps and how to, to become a minister or what God would have me to do. Uh, in fact, you played a role in that uh, while we were a part of the church there in West Monroe. Uh, so that's that's kind of our first connection. You played a role in helping give me some guidance as a 12-year-old young man, and I appreciate that. I appreciate those kind words and everything, but it it's just still amazing to me how God can start dealing with people young age and, and putting things in their heart and desires to do things for him and everything. So let me ask you this. What would you say to someone that's being sought after earnestly by both the world and by God? And they may be struggling with making the decision to giving themselves over to the world or to surrender everything to God, to allowing God to use them for his kingdom? Well, uh, you know, I was uh, involved in sports as a 
from the time I was seven years old, I was playing sports, baseball, basketball, and football. And, and, uh, I always thought, you know, uh, I was going to try to, I wanted to do both. I wanted to be a preacher and I wanted to be involved in sports. And so I was torn for that, uh, for that reason for a long time. And I, but finally at the ripe old age, about 13 or 14, I realized that, you know, if I was going to be involved with sports, I was going to have to give my life to that. Or if I was going to be involved with, uh, serving the Lord in the future and become a preacher in the future at that time that I could not do both. And, uh, I, I remember making commitments and to the Lord that, um, you know, not necessarily saying that, uh, you know, the, the, it was whatever you involved yourself in to the, to a degree. And, uh, of course, whenever I do something, I do it with everything. And I knew I couldn't be both a sport, be involved in sports and church. And I, I laid down sports. Uh, now I played church sports, but it wasn't like the, the school system would have required. And, uh, I just made a commitment to stop playing church, uh, sports as far as the, uh, secular system and in the school system had and uh started dedicating my life even as a 13 14 year old i remember being in a prayer meeting and the lord spoke to me about being patient but that he had placed a call upon my heart and i remember putting a fleece before the lord i said you know if it's this if it's me lord um you know i don't want to do this if it's me but if it's you and i put a fleece two or three fleeces before the lord and Without going into all the details, those all those things came to pass, and um, and I knew without a doubt God had put a call on my heart, but He also spoke to my heart about being patient, and that's not my best virtue, but nevertheless I uh, uh, I realized there was a call, and I needed to start making commitments, and uh, the Lord began to develop me, and I always loved the Word of God, reading the Word. He put people in my life to took me under their wing and and helped me and coached me uh i have to give a lot of credit of course again I, there's so many people involved in the church that help mold a young person uh it's, it takes a village as we often say but i appreciate the fact that brother ge chance my pastor uh at that time kind of took me under his wing and um i talked about going to bible school and he told me if I would stay with him and be his youth minister, youth pastor, that he would pour himself into me and develop me and train me and help prepare me to be a pastor and a preacher. And um, and so I, I will forever be uh, thankful and grateful for him to do that. He did do that, and he was quite the, the Christian man. He was quite the uh, godly man that I wanted to pattern myself after, and and so that was the beginning of helping get me started, if you will. Yeah, and, and I'm afraid, and this is just my thinking, that too many pastors in this day and age uh, don't really help support the young men and women even that feel the call into the ministry. They don't take them like you was talking about under the wing and, and showing them different things and trying to impart from things they've learned into the, the new ones and into the young ones to show them, Hey, you need to do this, this, and this. 
And don't worry so much about that because God will take care of that part. And, and I think we need more pastors that will really take a burden for the young ministers and try to help them develop into the men and women that God wants them to be. Yes, that's so true. I, it has challenged me because someone has done that for me that I have wanted to do that for others. Um, and, you know, the thing is, uh, we have done that since we've been here. In fact, I know that it's on our list to talk about, but we started a young minister's conference about 19 years ago with the idea of pouring ourselves into young adults and young, young people to help them find their place to serve in the kingdom of God. And then uh, I'm, I'm so thrilled to say that all three of my sons are, are licensed with the United Pentecostal Church. And my daughter is married to a preacher and they're all involved with the work of God. And, um, and so we, that has been something because someone did do that for me. I have tried to uh, help develop others. We have several preachers that's come out of our church. We've got literally pastors all over, uh, all over, uh, that we have helped, you know, restore or raise up and develop and, and send to the kingdom of God. And, um, and so again, that think that's the biblical principle. I think that's what God would have us to do. It is. And on a personal level, I appreciate you and other pastors that do have a burden for the young ministers to try to train them and, and show them and everything. So let me say thank you uh, for you doing that. And, and I know that you started the church where you are now, uh, there in Duncan, South Carolina, but what drew you to that particular city out of all the thousands thousands of cities across the U.S.? Um, well, there was a, um, a friend of mine that, that pastored in South Carolina about, uh, he had come out here, oh, about, I guess, 35 years ago, and he was out here, and he, he, uh, he contacted me, called me several times, and uh, he had about five places for me to preach, and uh, I was doing my best to go and preach my little heart out. And, uh, but it introduced me to the state of South Carolina. And so one day uh, I felt like God was wanting to move me, and I said, well, I felt like he wanted to move me out of the state of Louisiana. And I wrote down all the states that I knew people, and I think it was 13 states, and uh, it was the very last li name on the list S South Carolina was. And uh, I ran into someone at, at the Because of the Times conference in Alexandria that I started going to every year and, and told him that I was thinking about coming to South Carolina to start a church. And uh, he gave me an invitation to come out. And uh, I began to ride through the state, and I felt like I could take you to the place where the Lord spoke to my heart and and said, I'm calling you to the state of South Carolina and, uh, made application and they were welcoming. And, uh, it, it just was amazing how that all fell into place. And, uh, so, uh, you know, it was one of the greatest, if not outside of salvation and marriage and my children, probably, it was the greatest decision that I ever made. Yeah. Especially when God is the director and showing you what direction to go into, that's for sure. 
Um, and what year did the two of you actually start the church? And I know that you're the actual pastor, but the reason I said the two of you is because That's you right. and your wife are actually a team. That's right. I believe it was 1992 that we started the church. Um, and I'm, I'm sure that like other church planners, I've heard talk about going through many different churches before they actually uh, get a core group when they're starting a church. And uh, uh, did you kind of go through the same thing? And for those that may not know what I'm talking about, going through different churches, uh, can you explain what that has meant? And did you actually experience that yourself? You know, uh, Brother Harold, it was, uh, you know, we had so many confirmations how the Lord blessed, how he opened up job opportunities for us. Uh, fact is, I worked for your dad there for a little while in Monroe. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but I never really landed anything while I was before I came here because the Lord knew that uh, he had to call on me to go somewhere else. And then when we came out here, we both landed jobs. Like she made three phone calls and had two job offers over the phone. She worked for a heating and air conditioning company. And then I went on one job interview and um, it was for the pest control company that I had experience working for a pest control company. The man asked me, he said, uh, do you know Ronald Nelson? I said, sir, he's the only person in the upstate of South Carolina or in Greenville that I know. The only person I knew, his first cousin, was give, was offering me a job. Hmm. Uh, th there was com confirmation after confirmation. And uh, we preached, we were given the invitation to preach maybe the first three weeks that we lived in South Carolina at different churches in the state. But I got a call from that pastor and presbyter uh, that said that he knew of some people that lived in the, in the city of Greer, which was about 20 miles from where we had moved into an apartment. And uh, so we came over and met with these three ladies. And uh, one of the ladies offered her house and um, we said, hey, let's give it a try. Let's see what happens. And we uh, started having church in their house. Their husbands joined us. I think we had 12 people the first time. And uh, six weeks later, we rented a 40 by 40 warehouse and converted that into a church. And uh, we just never looked back. We just started having church. And um, we just uh, built a little platform and you know, I heard it said one time, somebody said, when do you know you're a preacher? Uh, it, it's not when you get to a certain place. You have to know that you're a preacher. And uh, when I became a pastor and we had 10 people, uh, I started looking forward to when we broke the 25-member mark. And then uh, I remember rejoicing. I remember thinking, well, we're going to break that 50 mark. I remember when yeah. we got our our first building that we least purchased. And that's a whole miracle. I could spend 30 minutes telling that story. But I remember telling them if we could break a hundred, I'd get up on the roof and preach from, from the roof. And, and we broke a hundred. Oh my, that was a great time. Yeah. And so we just, uh, we just started having church and, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, you don't even realize how difficult the battle is. <laughs> you just keep uh, your head down and, and keep doing the best you can. And then, uh, and the Lord begins to give revival. And, uh, 
I could write a book. I don't know if anybody would read it, but he has been so good to us. It sounds like it. Yeah, because uh, sometimes it probably is a little, and I'm assuming since I've never pastored, I've never felt that call just to, I felt the call to evangelize, but I only in my little way of thinking, I would think possibly sometimes getting a little frustrated that that you may not be growing as fast as you really want, but we have to take into consideration God's timing for everything. Yep, that's right. It was about, oh, about eight years ago, it seems like now, that, um, you know, just prior to that, about 15 years ago, it, it seemed like we went through one major trial right after another. It was like for about a seven-year period, hell opened up and poured everything it could have at us. And I remember my wife and I, we went through uh, so many tough times at that time. And uh, to be honest with you, I had some rental properties, and if it wasn't for the fact that I couldn't just pack up and leave. I had I had ties and things here that I couldn't leave. We were so close to just throwing in the towel, and and somehow the Lord allowed us not to do that. And then about uh, about eight years ago, I it was like the Lord said, "Okay, that's enough. The trials are ending," and uh, we began to see revival. Uh, and we over about a five or six year period, we doubled. Uh, in the last, probably the last six years, five or six years, we've seen unprecedented revival. Uh, we are, we probably have, if we had a, everyone there, or we have everyone on roll, we have about 200 now in church. We're about to build a building that seats 500 plus. And uh, we are believing that God's going to allow us to double again over the next five to 10 years. And uh, then we're also starting daughter works. We we just started uh, a daughter work, uh, if you will, or we've put out a pastor who's autonomous now in Clinton, and he's doing great, he and his wife. And then we released another pastor to go be the Spanish pastor for another church. So it's not just about building our local church. We're about raising up preachers and planning them. We're sending my sons, and I got a son in Malta who's a foreign missionary. Uh, I have another son that's in Mississippi who's the, the youth pastor there for the Dillons in Madison, Mississippi. Uh, and so, uh, and then I have another son who's the youth president or just finished up being the youth president in Florida. And so, uh, again, uh, we, we're sending out preachers, planting churches. and uh, But somewhere God just began to pour his blessings out on us. And the, the seemed like those tragedies or those trials that we were going through one after another just seemed to stop i feel like it's almost like the day he told job okay your your problems have ended and i'm gonna start pouring out blessings on you and um of course we didn't go through anything like job did but i'm telling you if there's anyone that's discouraged listening to this today and you feel like throwing in the towel just towel just hold on just a few more days a few more weeks because that trial's going to come to an end and god's going to open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessings on you that you cannot contain. And that's what's been happening with us the last several years. And that is so true uh, as far as the, the holding on, because so many times we think we cannot hold on. And if we're 
trusting within ourselves, we cannot hold on by ourselves, but through God's grace and mercy, we'll, we can hang on. We just have to have our mindset, say, God, you are God, you're in control. I'm not in control, and I know you're going to see me through this. Amen. That's right. Uh, let me ask you this. Uh, you kind of mentioned Job just a few seconds ago, and he lost all of his family and everything. And I know that siblings, brothers, sisters, typically are, are different in their thought process and, and how they handle or react to the same events in life. But were you ever worried about any of your kids possibly deciding, hey, I don't want to live for God. I've seen too much. It's not for me. You know, that's a good question. Um, now I'm going to try not to get emotional uh, because if there's um, any b blessing that the Lord has ever done for my wife and I, and you talked about us being partners, and we've been quite the team. We've been together since we were 16. We're about to celebrate our 42nd year wedding anniversary here next month. Um, uh, when our kids, we, we kind of included them as a part of the team. They are, uh, as I mentioned earlier, we had an eight-year-old and five-year-old, and then we had which is Corey and Cole, and then Caleb come along, and then Candace. And, you know, we, we were parents, but we never we never tried to make examples out of our children, and we also didn't exclude them because they were preacher's kids. Sometimes people say, why, why do you use your kids? Well, the reason you most pastors use their children is because their children are around. They don't have a choice. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but my, I give most of the credit to Mama, because they never wanted to disappoint mama, but we, we involved them in the work from early going. Um, Corey was on the drums, Cole was singing. As soon as Caleb got old enough, he was singing the same way with Candace. We just raised them. I remember Sister Tanny said, never despise being a part of a home missions church. Sometimes people go and join a 500 membership church. They don't get the privilege of singing or preaching or teaching. And they don't get the opportunity to develop. But by raising my children in a home missions church, they, they were the Sunday school teachers and the preachers and the singers and the musicians. And, and we, they just, this became their life. And, uh, they, they did other things and other activities, but, uh, they bought into this. And, um, uh, there was a time or two that there was one or a few occasions where they, they were not perfect by no means. Nobody is. That's uh, right. That our children, uh, you know, almost, you know, got themselves into situations. But for the most part, they always loved God. They always loved the work of God. And um, so when we count our blessings, when yeah. we count our blessings, we, we are so grateful that our children all serve the Lord. They love God. They all have great spouses. And uh, there is no price, there's no value, Brother Harold, that we can put on that. Uh, your greatest assets uh, are your children, and, and they're going to far exceed anything we've ever accomplished. But we have uh, truly poured our lives into them, and God first, family second, church third. And um, so, yes, there's been a time or two we were concerned, but for the most part, man, they love God, and um, and that's one of the greatest things that has ever happened to us. What did James say? To, uh, my greatest joy is that my children— walking truth and uh, that is so true
It is. Um, because if you lose your family, you know, then what have we actually accomplished? In, That's in, right. In a, in a figuratively speaking way. Uh, let's change a little bit here now. Uh, I know for many years, I don't know how long, but for several years, you've uh, been hosting a conference called It's Our Turn Now. Would right. you just tell us a little bit about the conference, like how long you've had it, how it came about, its main purpose, dates, and everything? Well, not long after we were here, I was appointed to uh, fulfill a term as the youth secretary, and I was involved in youth ministry from forever. And uh, we used to have an event in our section where we'd bring on all our sectional youth pastors to do like a, a fellowship meeting. And uh, something was birthed in me. I, I have to go back to because of the times and Bogalusa Bible Conference and the influence those things had on me. I remember going to Bogalusa Bible Conference as a missionary and I think we had one dollar and we had to pay it to get across the causeway. And uh, they fed us. Somebody gave me a handful of money, so I got home. <laughs> and uh, But between Bogalusa Bible Conference and Because of the Times, I wanted to start a conference as a miniature Because of the Times, but we also try to feed the ministry and and um, their families and, and, and allow young adults to rub shoulders with other ministers. And uh, we started, we bring in the, try to bring in the, the best two or three top preachers every year. And then we have people in our region and our district that preach and teach outstanding preachers and teachers that have bought into our conference. And uh, so we are having our, it would be our 19th year, but we did not have uh, IOTN the year of COVID. So it's actually our 18th conference. And uh, we, we pack in about 400 plus over about a three day period. And, um, this year, we have Jimmy Tony uh, from Florida, and then we have Michael Thomas, who is the former youth president. His term just ended. Uh, they will be our main two speakers uh, this year, and they'll each do two sessions. And then we're going to have a panel. We have breakout sessions, a young, young adult session. And uh, so for about three days, it's just a mini because of the times, which that conference has impacted myself and my peers and of course people all over the world and i know a lot of people from south carolina have not been able to or other places can't go um in this region just because of the times so we've decided i i decided this why don't we bring because of the times to south carolina and so uh i i what keeps me going we, we've got people now that our sponsors help pay for the conference it's usually paid for by the time the conference starts and then whatever we bring in at the conference, we put it on for next year. But what keeps me going besides the, the finances are made available uh, year after year, I usually have men and women, young, young adults come to me uh, and say, you know, I got my call here 10 years ago and 12 years ago and they're pastor in churches and uh, they're involved in the work of God, wherever they may be. And, and so we hopefully we're we're pouring something, allowing people to come and and we're pouring something into young adults. And it's not just pulpit ministry, and it's not just musicians. I think where that's where a lot of people uh, make mistakes. I remember early going, it seemed like every 
everyone, when they turned 18 that I pastored, they either went to Bible school or they backslid because they didn't know what else to do. Yeah. We have 32 ministries at True Life that does not include being in the pulpit or on the platform. Uh, there are so many things people can do to to find themselves in the in ministry and working for the kingdom of God. And so part of that is to help people find a place that they can serve. It's, again, it doesn't have to be behind a pulpit or behind a microphone singing or a, an instrument. And uh, so that's one of the things I want to emphasize this year. We're going to have a panel. And uh, I'm, I want to introduce so many different options and opportunities for people to find a place to serve in their local churches. And uh, serving the Lord, everybody needs to find a place. And there's only one pulpit. And there's only enough room for enough, just a few singers and musicians. But everybody can't be those things. But there's so many things. There's prison ministries and outreach and Bible studies and prayer warriors. And the list goes on and on where people can, if they would find a place to serve God, God would uh, bless them and they could be used in a mighty way for the kingdom of God. And that's right. And, and it's so important that God's people do find a place in the church. And if they don't know what they may want to do, I would suggest going to the pastor and say, look, I want to do something. I just don't know what. Can you guide me? Can you lead me in a direction that maybe I could really be used of God? It's important to talk with the pastor to find direction and everything in one's life. That's right. Pastors are so, so important. And um, again, I can't emphasize enough about the men who have helped direct my life. And uh, and I listened to their advice. And I, I promise you, I would not be where I'm at today if it wasn't for men that helped direct me. And so I hope that we can do the same for someone else. That's right. Well, in these closing moments uh, the interview, do you have any words of encouragement to someone that may be struggling with trying to start a church or just simply struggling in this life, trying to hold on and to live for God in these end times. You know, sometimes I think we compare ourselves among ourselves, uh, Brother Dwayne. I think that uh, people, you know, try to f figure out their value or their worth based upon, uh, you know, their position and are, again, comparing themselves to someone else. If someone would just get a relationship with God and realize that, I know we say this a lot, but I don't pe think people really believe it, but it's not about us. And when a person gets to a place that that's, they realize it's really not about them, uh, then they become a mature saint or a mature Christian and then and mature in, uh, been in ministry. It's not about us. It's about God. And uh, so when you have a relationship with God, you wake up every day. And the Bible said that we're sons of God if we're led by the Spirit of God. And uh, I pray that, you know, every morning, God, what, what are you having me to do today? Just this morning, I had the privilege of going and sitting with a shut-in. Uh, someone called me from Missouri and said, hey, in your town, there's a my brother lives there. And uh, would you go by and visit him? And so I called him and went by and sat and talked with him and um i left there so fulfilled i got a bible study set up you know on wednesday with a, a new couple that's just started coming to our church and you know i'd just as soon sit and talk to a couple 
and watch those light bulbs go off as they begin to understand the oneness of God and the importance of being baptized in Jesus' name. And I may not preach a general conference uh, or anything, but that's okay. I have a relationship with God. I'm, I'm making a difference in somebody's life. And um, again, finding a place to serve God, have a relationship with him, find that peace of God. We can only do so much, and then we have to get out of the way and let God be God. And to be a part of something as great as, uh, I know we talk about these different organizations, but the kingdom of God is so much bigger than uh, an organization. And to be a part of the work of God, the kingdom of God, to know this great gospel and this great truth, we should be walking in peace and joy and happiness, letting our light so shine before men that they see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven and um and then we should be satisfied knowing that we're part of his great kingdom he's given us the privilege to be born again of the water of the spirit and eventually live with him there should be a peace and enjoyment in our lives so know that just walk with god and let god use you as he sees fit and uh he'll open up the windows of heaven as i've said before and pour out blessings on you that you cannot contain if you'll put him first and that is truth, true words of wisdom there. Well, Brother B.B., I do appreciate you taking the time out from your very busy schedule for this interview. And I, I feel like today's interview has helped, encouraged some who are listening to this podcast who may be struggling, uh, kind of like what we've talked about, maybe with a decision as to whether or not to listen to what God is calling them to do for his kingdom. So again, I, I thank you for being here today on Walking with God and Storm podcast, and I pray that God's blessings will continue to be on you, on your family, your church family. So stay safe, my friend. Thank you so much, Brother Harold, for allowing us to be a part of Walking with God in the storm. And uh, the storm will pass, and uh, there's the sun's going to come out, and uh, we're going to make it, and we're going to live with him forever by and by in glory. God bless you. Thank you again. Well, I hope and pray that this interview today was a blessing to someone out there who may be wondering if they should continue trying to hold on to God or not. So often God has told us that he wants us to do a particular thing in our life, and yet somehow we don't see how we can do it. And that is true. We cannot do things by ourselves. But it is by the grace of God that we can do all things through him, for him. Too many times we give up just when God is about to complete the work that he said that he would do through us because we think that it will not actually occur. But remember this, that our timing and God's timing is not the same. If God has told us that he will do a work, hold on tight to that because God is not a liar. And God is true to his word. He will do what he says that he will do. So just hold on tight and let God do the work as only he can do. And I pray that the Lord will keep his hand of protection upon each and every one of you. And may the good Lord bless you. And we will see you here next time, right here on Walking with God in the Storm Podcast.